Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. And this week, we're, we're going in kind of a different direction. Yeah, we are. We're talking about something that I get a lot of questions about. I think there's a large population of horse owners that have a lot of questions around this problem. So I think it's going to be a really good podcast. Uh, it, it's a it's a huge topic. It absolutely is. It's it's dense. So, you know, we're going to try to explain it in, in the easiest terms. But talking about equine metabolic syndrome, and I think we'll just call it EMS. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, yeah, it, it, it is a big issue out there, especially when you're talking nutrition. And I think, you know, for our listeners that the, the easiest thing to start off is, is just what is EMS? Yeah. Equine metabolic syndrome is actually a cluster of issues that all revolve around the horse, not appropriately responding to sugars and starches in their diet. So sugars and starches are in all feedstuffs, except for mm-hmm. things that are 100% fat. And there are some horses that just don't respond appropriately, meaning that their hormones don't regulate the metabolic process correctly when they have large amounts of this in their diet. So a lot of you have probably heard about insulin resistance. That would be one of the issues that falls under equine metabolic syndrome. And it's actually interesting because this is an area that we've been researching for a while, but we're learning about more and more how complicated it is. So insulin resistance refers to peripheral insulin resistance. And what that means is that when glucose is absorbed into the bloodstream, the pancreas releases insulin. And insulin's job is to send that glucose out into tissues. So it facilitates that transfer of glucose from the bloodstream into the muscle, for example. And one of the things that happens is that those transporters, so think of them as the gates that move glucose where they're supposed to go, they don't open their door to insulin the way that they're supposed to. And the body produces more insulin. And so that would be peripheral insulin resistance. And that's one that's talked about quite a bit. You know, we've also learned there's other issues. Um, For example, you can have a horse who appropriately responds to insulin. So that glucose moves into the peripheral tissues the way it's supposed to. And then the liver doesn't clear the insulin. So it stays high in the blood. And there's even some other, you know, hormones that don't respond appropriately that make the pancreas produce too much insulin, even independent of moving that glucose out of the blood. So it's a really complicated group of issues. But what it all comes down to is the horse, for one of these reasons, ends up with too much insulin circulating in the blood. And that has negative health effects. No, you're right. And so my next question is, what are those? Like, what are some of those uh, risks associated with EMS? Yep. So the big thing is that high blood insulin has been linked to much higher risk of laminitis. So laminitis is just simply when there's inflammation in the hoof. So inflammation could be relatively mild, make them a little bit foot sore for a day or two. 
long-term inflammation in the hoof can actually break down those structures that hold the coffin bone, the bottom bone in their hoof. And it can actually start to tip down or even descend down, which is incredibly painful. Obviously, I mean, horses are just standing on this one little bone. If the structures that hold it up start to break down, that is a huge problem. So, you know, we know that high circulating insulin dramatically increases the risk of laminitis and horses can have laminitis for other reasons as well. Um, but that it would be the primary issue that's going to occur because of this group of issues that causes high insulin in the blood. Yeah. Laminitis is just not fun to deal with. It's just, it just isn't. And, you know, I always go back to the Barbaro story. It's a long time ago now, but for, for us older folks in the horse industry, remember Barbaro uh, broke down at, uh, I think it was the Preakness and, uh, you know, he died of laminitis. He, he you know, shattered his leg. They healed, the leg healed, the bones healed, but it was laminitis that got him in the end. So, yeah, yeah but in, interestingly, disease. that was a mechanical laminitis because he was placing mm-hmm. so much weight on the opposite mm-hmm. huff. So, this Not would be an, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this would be an example of a different cause of laminitis, but same, right. same endpoint, which is, yeah, it's, it's just a, it's, it's horrible to deal with it. Now, from a nutritional standpoint, you know, with EMS, are, are we at risk for some nutritional dif- deficiencies? Because we're going to have to adjust the diet of the horse. So what are some of the concerns that we might have nutritionally with a, with a horse with EMS? One of the things that I see happen pretty frequently is that people get hyper-focused on a low NSC diet. So non-structural carbohydrates, those are our sugars and our starches. It is also important to realize sometimes people get really focused on just starch. Starch is broken down to sugar in the small intestine. They're both absorbed the exact same way as sugars, and they generate that insulin response. So we have to think about both sugar and starch together, and they both contribute to this issue. But people get hyper-focused on a low NSC diet and kind of tend to forget about the fact these horses still have all those other nutritional requirements for amino acids, for vitamins, for minerals, particularly if they've unfortunately had a laminitic event that they're healing from, they need all those good nutrients to facilitate the healing process. So that would be the number one thing that I observe is that people kind of forget about balancing the total diet because they get really focused on the low NSC portion, particularly in the concentrate portion of the diet. So that's the easy part, right? It comes with a tag. We can tell you what the NSC is. Do you know where most of the sugar and starch in the horse's diet comes from? I mean, did we say forage? I mean, it, it, depend, it depends on the type of forage. Right. But most right. of, so typically when we're talking about grasses, mm-hmm. sugar is the storage carbohydrate. So it's mostly high in sugars, but that's where most of the sugar in a lot of horses' diets comes from is the forage portion of their diet, which we don't have a test usually on hand. Pasture, of course, can be a huge source of sugars. So that's one challenge. We get really focused on low NSC and we only focus on the part that we have relatively easy control over. But if you're not controlling how many sugars are coming from your forages, you may not be able to get this whole thing under control because that's where most of it comes from in the diet. No, yeah. I mean, it's a great points. It's great points. And I, I, it's funny we talk and I always have like, oh, that's going to be a good podcast. Oh, that would be a good podcast. So I think one we can talk about is, is how do you control intake on a pasture? You know, that, that just crossed my mind, especially with, with an EMS horse, but, you know, focusing on, on this equine metabolic syndrome, what are the signs and symptoms that an owner might be able to use to see if, if they do have a problem horse? 
So, you know, in terms of visually looking at a horse, one of the things that we've a long time known is that if horses are obese, they're more likely to have equine metabolic syndrome. But even beyond that, that crusty neck, so something we talk about in the tribute wellness system is we're not just looking at their body condition, we're actually looking at that discrete fat deposit that happens over the crest of the neck. There's been research that has very specifically linked that crusty neck with an increased risk that a horse has metabolic syndrome. Uh, in fact, it's interesting. You don't just see those crusty necks on obese horses. You can see them on horses that are in good body condition to even a little bit thin. And there was a recent study that they did in Australia in ponies, and ponies, of course, are at higher risk of metabolic syndrome already. They found that ponies that had a lower body condition score with a high crusty neck, so a big crest on them, were 10 times more likely to have insulin resistance than ponies that had a lower body condition score and no crusty neck score. So that's a really good indicator that we do have an issue. Mm -hmm. You would then follow up with blood work to see exactly what's going on. And it's honestly not a bad idea, especially as horses age, we see an age component as well to make that as part of your yearly wellness check. When you have horses that are getting into their later years is go ahead and run some blood work and see what is their fasting glucose and insulin. So you can hopefully stay ahead of that issue and not learn about your horse's equine metabolic syndrome when they've had a laminitic event, which is unfortunately what can happen to a lot of people because not all horses that have equine metabolic syndrome will have that crusty neck, but it is a good indicator that they do have those issues. So why, my question is why in these horses do they deposit fat in specific areas and not just overall, you know, everywhere? Cause like you just said, some do, some don't here, there, why isn't it just an overall improved or heavy condition? So that's, a fascinating question. So I don't think anyone specifically studied the exact mechanism behind that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what we need to remember is that fat is a metabolically active organ. It produces its own hormones. It has an influence on the body. And we don't tend to think about that. So the thought process behind those discrete fat deposits, like the one on the top of the neck, is that that horse has a hormonal imbalance, which then predisposes them to putting fat into those specific places. And then as the fat in those specific places grows, it compounds the issue because it's producing its own hormones that impact the metabolism of the horse. So it's this whole cycle that feeds on itself. You know, well, I think I have another case study I'd like to talk about at one point, and it was a mare who had a huge crest on her neck. And interestingly, we did see that crest go down once we changed her diet to be more appropriate for a horse with equine metabolic syndrome. It didn't go away completely, but you could definitely see that feedback loop happening in real time. Because along those lines, we know, we know that obesity increases risk. But there's been some really interesting research that's come out recently that how you make a horse fat impacts its risk of developing equine metabolic syndrome. So if you make a horse fat on a high non-structural carbohydrate, a high sugar and starch diet, they are more likely to develop equine metabolic syndrome if you make a horse fat on a low sugar and starch diet. So there's also a nutritional component in developing the disease 
as well as in managing the disease on the backside of it. So I actually... kind of got in trouble once. I was doing some continuing education credits for veterinarians. And I talked about this and I essentially said Mm -hmm. that obviously you're going to promote to your clients that you maintain your horses within a healthy body condition score of four to six. Let's be realistic. There are some people that are going to look at a six and say, that's too skinny and keep feeding your horse. Yes. Yes. I've met them. Yes. Yes. You're like, no, no. Whether it's because that's what's rewarded in the discipline that they're showing Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. they just simply don't see it. I mean, that absolutely Mm -hmm. happens from a risk management perspective. If you plan to get a horse on the top end of that healthy body condition or even push it over to a little heavier condition, it's way safer to do it on a low sugar and starch Mm -hmm. diet than it is a high sugar and starch diet. That's simple risk management. The vet was very not happy with me. I'm like, I'm not promoting that we make them fat, yes, yes. but realistically that's going to happen. So let's do it in the safest way possible. Now, yeah, again, very fascinating stuff. So we, we talk about the, you know, NSCs causing EMS. Are there any other related diseases or any other ways that horses can start suffering from equine metabolic syndrome? Well, there's definitely a genetic component. Um, Mm -hmm. Ponies and some breeds are just more likely to develop equine metabolic syndrome. Anecdotally, we see it way more often, even when they're fed diets we'd consider pretty safe throughout their lives. And then, you know, there are some other issues like um, horses with Cushing's, for example. Mm -hmm. So, They aren't always insulin resistant, but a lot of times horses with Cushing's also develop insulin resistance and they have other hormonal issues that are impacting their metabolism. So we can make that a whole nother podcast, but in a horse who has Mm -hmm. Cushing's, you know, not all of them do have insulin resistance. I actually have one at home who he has Cushing's, but no insulin resistance today. Mm -hmm. But usually as a risk management approach, we're going to feed them as if they have insulin resistance once they have Cushing's disease. Right. And so now with getting into some, a little bit of the management or managing horses with EMS and, you know, talking about these non-structural carbohydrates, um, how do how do these differ? I guess I I would like to ask across different grain types or feed types, and then also across forages. You know, is is it going to be is the sugar content going to be lower in certain types of forages, higher in others? You know, what do you see? Great question. So, addressing the concentrate portion first, a lot of the traditional horse feeds, corn, oats, barley, those are mm-hmm. all super high NSC. They're not something that we're going to rely on in a horse who has equine metabolic syndrome. And even in the healthy horse, we're going to only use them in small proportions if the horse is doing a really hard job. But um, we look at low NSC products that are still fortified to cover all their other needs, like beet pulp, for example, that's low NSC, but it's not fortified and it's also low Mm -hmm. calorie. So if Mm -hmm. we have a horse who has equine metabolic syndrome and is also thin, and there definitely are some of those, you could feed a lot of straight beet pulp and not meet their other nutritional needs. And a lot of times feed more sugar than if you'd fed something that was lower NSC and a little higher fat to get all of those nutrients and calories into them. So we look for products that are going to be guaranteed with lower NSC, things like ration balancers, super low in sugar and starch. And then we have products like Calm and Easy uh, or Senior Sport that are really high in fiber and fat 
And those are great options for our harder keeping horses with equine metabolic syndrome because they get those calories plus all the other nutrients they need, but keep sugar and starch low. Now, when it comes to forage NSC, we are we're going to have to do a whole nother podcast because this okay. is a, this yes. is a thing. Um, it is. But what I will just broadly say is that, unfortunately, I cannot tell you, you know, go buy this specific cutting of this variety of hay and it'll be guaranteed to be low NSC. Teff grass is a little bit of an exception that's specifically cultivated to be low NSC not hugely available and there can be some palatability issues. But unfortunately, the only way you will truly know is if we test your forage. So, you know, for horses that have equine metabolic syndrome, I'd love it if their forage was less than 10% WSC, so water-soluble carbohydrates plus starch. That's how we measure. That is how we measure NSC and forages. Sometimes we can make something that's more like 12% work depending on how we feed it. So if you think about it, the body is responding to glucose absorbed from the small intestine. If you stretch out the time you feed your hay, like using a slow feed net, it's going to be more of a trickle of glucose into their system versus a big slug, which means that insulin response makes a smaller curve, less of it's produced at one time. So there are ways that we can manage these horses, but we just have to know what you're working with in order to make the correct decisions. Pasture, oh boy, it's changing all the time. (laughs) Yes. So even if you went and took a sample two hours later, the number is different. So we can definitely talk about this in more depth, but honestly, use of something like a grazing muzzle is the best way to control intake on a pasture. There's some really interesting research that looked at how quickly horses consume their pasture, depending on how many hours they're turned out. So a horse that's turned out 24 seven is going to consume pasture at a much slower rate than a horse who's turned out for a small amount of time, which means that horse who's only turned out for an hour or two, yeah, they're eating less grass, but they're eating so much more of it in a short amount of time, which again, bigger glucose load hitting the blood right. at one time. So, you know, it's it's very challenging to manage the sugar coming in from your forages. Sometimes what I'll end up doing with like a super sensitive horse, we have some bagged forage products that are guaranteed low NSC. It's expensive, but if you don't have control of your forage otherwise, we can maybe do that for one horse and guarantee you are getting that low NSC forage for them. It does. It, it does take a lot of management. It absolutely does. And I think, yeah, that, that's a good, I was thinking of the muzzles earlier when you were talking, and I think that's, we're going to have to have a, a talk about that here in the future because especially going into spring and, and when everything's fresh and green and we want to try to prevent some bloating and other things that might happen. You did mention in there, and, and I don't know if the listeners heard it or not, but hard keepers versus easy keepers with EMS. It, it, as we try to wrap this up, are there some different management considerations between the two? Sure. So an easy keeper is going to maintain their condition basically on just forage. They're relatively simple. So of course we need to worry about the sugar and the forages, but otherwise we're going to feed them a ration balancer. And a ration balancer is going to be the lowest NSC concentrate for two reasons. One, just based on the composition of a ration balancer, like Essential K or the Wholesome Blends Balancer, they're going to be low NSC because it's mostly minerals and vitamins and things like that in there. 
And then we feed them at a really small amount per day, often only a pound or two. So that means, again, the amount of glucose getting to the small intestine at any one time is small. The hard keeper is a little bit more challenging simply in that we need to feed more concentrate in order to provide calories along with those non-energy nutrients. So in those horses, I look at lower NSC full concentrates. So calm and easy is one that I lean on a lot. Uh, senior sport, if they're a really hard keeper, the wholesome blend senior would fall into this. But what we're going to do is we're going to feed something that's a little higher fat that helps keep our meal sizes smaller. And if they're really sensitive, I'm going to feed them more meals per day. Because again, horses don't eat percents. People get like crazy hung up on, I need a feed that is X percent or lower. Right, right, right. Well, listen, a percent's a percent. Corn is 75% sugar and starch. It does not matter if you are eating one single kernel of corn or a whole bushel of corn. They're both 75% NSE. One kernel of corn is going to be fine. A bushel of corn, laminitis all the way. So, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you can't just think about the percent NSC. We need to think about the meal size as well. And a lot of times we can get less sugar and starch in a meal by feeding something a little higher fat. And then if we have to, more meals per day keeps that glucose load smaller each meal. Cause that's all we're looking to do, right? Is minimize the amount of insulin that's released at any given time. So if we can do that, we can help control the disease process. Yeah, it, 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 this is definitely a topic. Please give us feedback because we can definitely revisit this topic. It, it is very complex and, you know, we just wanted to kind of do an overview today. But we want to thank you again for listening. And, and, and all, as always, if you can share this with your, your other horse-loving friends, we, we would really appreciate it. Get this information out, especially something like equine metabolic syndrome. That is an issue, uh, you know, across the country. And if you don't mind dropping us a quick uh, five-star review on iTunes, again, helps us get more circulation and get more people listening to this information and and learning and loving their horses. But uh, that's why we do it, right? Oh, absolutely. And if you have a horse with equine metabolic syndrome, you know, feel free to reach out. We're always happy to help you find the right product that'll fill in the gaps. And we can also guide you through that process of testing your hay, interpreting the analysis. We're always happy to help with all of those things. You know, we're focused on the total diet of the horse, not just what comes in the bag. Yeah. And all those links are in the show notes. So just click on the show notes there at the bottom, you know, you can contact the tribute team and they will help you, but thank you so much for listening. And, and we'll be back next week. Awesome. Thanks, Chris.